Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to uh, Snake Oil Radio. This is uh, host Jim Ventura, and we are today is going to be a uh, our live uh, interview uh, show, and my guest today is. Christy uh, Carpenter, I believe. Um, I hope I'm saying that name correctly. I'll ask her when she, when uh, I talk to her in a few minutes. Uh, anyway, uh, if it's your first time tuning in to uh, Snake Oil Radio, uh, the show is really we in essence have a metaphysical theme here. We talk about different elements of uh, philosophy, spirituality, metaphysics. Uh, I have been. Uh, I am an a uh, oracle reader my profession, in other words, uh, astrologer, numerologist, tarot card reader. I've done that for quite some time, and I have studied a lot of different uh, philosophies, perspectives, uh, and it has been certainly uh, very enlightening to learn about different cultural perspectives and uh, philosophies. Uh, I myself have, I know a little bit about um, some of the the goddess uh, energy. Uh, I've certainly learned some of that from astrology, actually. Uh, when you study astrology, there is, of course, the basics of astrology. Um, you look at certain planetary influences, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. And also there are a number of asteroids that are named after um, goddess figures in that sense. And actually it's really kind of interesting when you uh, check that kind of thing out because it does give you even more insight into an astrology chart and into, you know, which is really looking at personality traits and characteristics and all of those good things. Uh, but Christy is uh, more of the expert, not necessarily on astrology, but just more on the, the goddess uh, energy itself. And uh, I'm really, uh, I think we're going to have an interesting show today. It'll be fun to uh, be able to learn a little bit more about this. So I think my first caller is here. I'm guessing that is Christy. Um, if anybody wants to call in and has any questions of uh, us today, they can use the call-in number, which is 646 200 That's 646 and I'll give that number again in a little while after I uh, talk with Christy for a bit. Uh, okay, so let's see if... Uh, okay, let's see if we got Christy here. Hello? Hello, Jim. It hey, is Christy. how are you today? Good. Really good, how are you? Good, good. Uh, uh, good timing. Um, yeah. Anyway, so how are you doing today? Oh, it's Monday and ready ready to roll for the week. Good. You know how it sure. is on Mondays. All right, well, I gave a basic intro, um, and I'm going to let you kind of take it from here. I'd like to kind of give you an opportunity to tell our listeners a little bit about what you do uh, in general, and and kind of give them some some uh, some insight into your uh, your special talents and skills. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know how much I do in general. I, I'm pretty multidimensional. I do lots of different things, and I'm a Sagittarian like you, so I know you get that drill. I have right. my hands in many fires, and. Uh, Literally and figuratively, since uh, I do fire pit ceremonies as a, as a priestess, that's one of the things I do. I, I call together different uh, situations when I'm inspired, and I have a sacred fire pit in my backyard. And I, uh, like at Halloween, for example, sometimes I have up to 50 women here, and 
We just, uh, it's nothing really freaky. We just dress up as, uh, you know, our favorite goddesses and we write things uh, onto an index card that we want to release into the fire and um, start our our, uh, new year that way. And uh, other things that I do is um, I am a mother to young children, two daughters, ages nine and five. And I am a master shift coach in the business realm of things where I bring my spiritual gifts and talents to the mainstream in order to help people evolve. My company is called Covolution, and I have two taglines that go along with that. Uh, Revolutionary Coaching for the Evolution of You, Guiding People While They're Knee-Deep in Shift, S-H-I-F-T, and I call myself a shift coach as a result of that particular tagline because I help people deal with um, shifting whatever they need to shift in their life. I specialize in career shift, but I help in all different arenas and in, in, in that coaching realm. And then as far as the goddess and priestess realm, I uh, I am not what you call, um, you know, any name. For for example, I, am, I have an aversion to being called a name when it comes to like a Wiccan or a pagan or a druid or any of that stuff. I'm I'm very free-spirited, so I'm eclectic in my beliefs. Because a lot of times people automatically assume if you call yourself a priestess that you're a Wiccan, and that is not the case for me. I don't follow any religious dogma or any rules. I, I kind of do my own thing as a free-spirited sag- Sagittarian. Right. So. Excellent. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I was going to say, can you maybe one of the things I uh, let me ask you. There's two kind of questions I want to ask, and then we'll we'll, we'll give you some more time to to talk a little bit more what you do. One, I kind of like to ask you what 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 really got you into this in the first place. That's question one, and I'm going to ask you question two, and, and see if you can kind of maybe tie those in together and uh, uh, give you a chance to explain. But the other thing I, I think a lot of listeners might want to understand is kind of really what the goddess energy is all about in the first place, because I I, I know a bit about this myself, but um, I think this is a very uh, misunderstood concept in this culture to some extent as well. So uh, I think maybe if you gave a little goddess energy background and then also kind of how you got into this, that might be some help. Yeah, Jim, I agree with you. It is very misunderstood, and uh, that's why I made the statements I made right before you said that, because uh, back in, uh, let's say, uh, 25,000 years ago, actually the deity of choice was um, a female deity, and she was known as the creatrix of the entire universe. So it wasn't a male god, it was a female god. And um, I didn't know this uh, as I was raised in the Lutheran faith growing up, and the way I found out about this was very interesting. My husband and I uh, originally are from Wisconsin. We live in Arizona now. We've been here about seven years. But I uh, was in the corporate world, but I was delving into my spiritual side. And we had had uh, the opportunity to have someone come teach the Flower of Life workshop in our home. And this woman wore these beautiful dresses. And um, I asked her, what the dress was, and she said it was a goddess dress. And uh, I uh, said, oh, really, what what does that mean? (laughs) And she said, well, it's just working the energy of the divine feminine, and it's beautiful and it's flowing, and uh, it's different from obviously, you know, a a woman's business suit per se, uh, which is emulated after the masculine. 
And so ironically, at that time, I was deciding I wanted to become a mother. And I had been in the corporate realm for about 10 years and uh, married uh, for about nine years. And I had a big uh, quandary on whether I wanted to be a mother or not because I was so focused on my career. Well, within that same window of that weekend doing that workshop, I did get pregnant. And it was intentional. Actually, my husband and I did ritual around it and asked for the soul to enter when the soul was ready and uh, manifested the type of soul we wanted to bring forth. And uh, she came very very quickly the first time. And um, so I was pregnant. And um, in, in the meantime, I had been so fascinated with these uh, dresses. I asked this woman where she got them. It was someplace in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so I went and bought a bunch of these outfits because I had a sales meeting because I was a sales executive for a Fortune 500 company in the medical realm. And we had a big meeting out in California, and uh, she dared me to wear these dresses to the meeting. And normally at these types of business meetings, the the tire is uh, business casual. And for some reason, maybe because it was in California, they called the meeting to be casual. So being a Sagittarian, I took the dare. And these dresses are very unusual. They're not, I mean, they're not bizarre looking, but they're they're long, they're flowing, and they're certainly not business-oriented. Okay, so I wore this in a business meeting. All the women came, and they flocked to me like bees to honey. They were so amazed at this dress and drawn to this dress that they came up into my hotel room and tried on my other dresses just for fun. And I think I called it a goddess dress, and again, at that time, I didn't know quite what I was saying. But later, what I did was I I gave up my career and moved to Arizona in the corporate realm. I gave up my career, and I, I wanted to focus more on my motherhood role. And while I was doing that, I learned uh, about uh, these courses I could take to study uh, about the goddess and to become a priestess. And in those courses, they were experiential courses, and I, I read a lot of books about the goddess, and that's where I learned about the archetypal energies that flow through us, through the Carl Jung uh, psychology and beliefs that we have original patterns and they can be you know, male and female patterns that move through us as human beings. And so I picked up a book called uh, Goddesses in Every Woman, Every Woman by Jean Shinoda Bullen, who is a psychiatrist who studied the Jungian approach to psychology. And and then she also has a book out, The God in Every Man. And um, that was the first I really had experienced what the archetypal energies were. And I realized this, for example, growing up in high, my high school days, I had a archetype of the goddess Artemis, which is the Greek name. Diana is the Roman name for her. And she was a a hunter, she was a protector of animals, and she was a virgin goddess who was very athletic. And I had her archetype growing up as a young girl because I was very athletic. I really wasn't bothered by boys too much. I was more focused on what I needed to do in my sports and um, get good grades and all that stuff. And so I really resonated with her as an archetype growing up. Then, as I got into the business world, when I graduated from college, I realized from reading this book that I had taken on this Athena archetype, and her Greek name is Athena, uh, her Roman name is Ceres, 
and she she is the woman who is all about career and uh working in uh a masculine patriarchal type of situation but she does well in it she's very wise with her words and she's known as the goddess of wisdom and war but it wasn't war necessarily in the sake of you know battle war it was war in the sake of being able to negotiate contracts and things like that and going up against competition and winning the sale, so to speak, over a competitor. And that's where I used her archetype. Well, then when I became pregnant, the Demeter, um, Demeter is the Greek name, and she is the, the goddess of motherhood and the goddess of the harvest. And when I gave birth to my children, she really was working through me very much so, and uh, she she is the one who is all about nurturing and loving and honoring your motherhood and bringing forth um, abundance into your life through the nurturing aspect. So those are just some examples on how women in our modern day can take on these different archetypes and work them uh, to help them be in the divine feminine aspect. And uh, there's there's also the divine masculine aspect, and all humans have both within them, and I know you know this. And for me, I had a real dominant divine masculine aspect in me because I was raised uh, by a very strict German father who came from Germany. And um, I had three brothers, and I was in a neighborhood of all boys, and that's why I was such an athlete because my dad really forced me I really didn't have much of a choice. He would put, you know, like I had a tennis racket in my hand at four. I was swimming at four. He had me running my first race when I was eight. Uh, I was a basketball player because I was the tallest girl in school. I became an all-star basketball player in high school. And um, I was also the captain of the cheerleading squad because I went to a small school, so I could be a lot of these things. And so I had struggled because all my life I was in competition and doing the whole masculine energy thing. And when I became a mother was when the goddess energy really poured into me. And it was a new experience for me because uh, I had to, I didn't have a choice. It's like once you give birth to a child, you change. And so that the divine feminine came through me pretty powerfully, and I I really did a lot of research to learn more about the goddess energy um, when I became a mother. Right. Uh, well, wow. that's uh, certainly an interesting uh, uh, experience that way because it, it, it's a, that's a definitely a radical change from sort of one way to another. But I think that's what's really, really interesting also when you, you study um, the, these goddess symbols in the first place in that sense. it really They really do portray some really different aspects of, of feminine energy in that sense. I mean, yeah, the it, of, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a different. The only reference that I, I mean, I, that, that's the only reference that I know. But like, even from the tarot, if you look at the archetypal themes in the tarot, there's two primary feminine principles. Even though, I mean, you, there's a lot of principles within the archetypes of uh, the major arcana in the tarot. But there's the high priestess, and then there's the um, the empress. The high priestess kind of uh, combines the idea of the the feminine um, mystique. The, the intuitive, the uh, you know what I mean. There, there's a mothering element to that, but it's more about the intuitive level, whereas the uh, the empress is more about like the um, abundance and fertility of feminine energy. 
in that sense as well. But when you, what, so I know from having studied astrology, when they've kind of designated certain um, asteroids and things as, as goddess representations, there's such a vast array of different types of, of energies and experiences that come through uh, with those. And again, it showed to me, it also shows uh, the varied elements of what it is to be a human being and also even especially what it is to be a female, in that sense. Exactly. Yeah, and it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, I know you're an um, astrologer, but it's my understanding in astrology that the planets move through us at different times of our life. So we like to say, for example, I'm a Sag and the Sun, but say there's some times in my life where Pisces runs through me, right? right. Isn't that true? Yeah, that, correct. I mean, you're, something you, that, you have a blueprint. Yeah, I mean, you have a blueprint when you're born in that sense. In other words, it's kind of like a snapshot of where everything was when you were born, and that's the pattern that you follow. But by the same token, the, we're, 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 we're part of that larger structure, and the planets and the signs move and change, and they influence us. So you're absolutely right. There's times when you're getting more of a Piscean influence, for instance, in that sense. But you know what would be probably really a fascinating thing to do anyway would be when you had your, your major shift or change or breakthrough, it probably would be really interesting to think to see where the, um, the different uh, goddess asteroids were in your chart moving through when those hits happened. Yeah, that would be really interesting. You'll, you and I will have to explore that sometime. But the, the reason why I asked you that question, though, is because I feel the same way about the archetypal energies of the goddess um, working right. through me and other women. And the same goes for the archetypal energies of gods working through men at different times of their life. I think that uh, there are so many different archetypal energies, but there's also that same principle that we are all one, that um, we just have different aspects of different things showing right. up at the same time at a different time in our life, and uh, so I feel that for me, for example, when I went full blown into my my motherhood role, um, the Athena energy went into uh, latency. You know, right. <laughs> it's like she went late, right, right. and but it was really interesting for me because I mourned her. She was so much a part of me. And that aspect of being a career woman in the corporate realm, doing all this stuff, making all this money, negotiating with men and CEOs and stuff like that, I felt a lot of power with her. Whereas when in our society, the motherhood role is not as revered as it should be. Right. And so when I gave up this, this career to go into my full-blown mother, mother role, and, you know, mother role is not always easy <laughs> to stay home and feed right. the kids and change diapers and do all that stuff. And it's not the most glamorous thing in the world. And uh, I really struggled. I mean, I deeply struggled. And it was it was really uh, not until I, you know, launched my coaching business that I brought some Athena back into my consciousness because I needed that. I, I needed that business aspect of me. So there's something inherent in my nature that is 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 uh, is has a business acumen that I need to use in this life. But then I've also I'm a mother, so it's like I get tugged between those two realms and those two archetypes because it's like I don't want to go out too much where I allow the business realm to take me over right. uh, and become a workaholic, so to speak. <laughs> You know, so I don't have time for my children. And so right. it's a balancing act. And it's just like with the divine masculine, divine feminine within us. It's like we, I, I've had to really learn over these last seven plus years that I've um, left 
all that career business, you know, in, in the corporate realm, so to speak, and, you know, moved and came over to follow my dream to live in Arizona and how my life has changed and shifted so much that it went from way working the divine masculine energy, energy. Even though I was working in Athena, I also had a lot of masculine aspects in me when I was successful in the corporate world. And then going to the complete divine feminine aspect where I, I didn't do any of that masculine stuff. I let my husband be the breadwinner. I, I was the nurturer. I was home with the children. And I was learning all these things about the goddess. So I was totally in my defined feminine aspect. And then I realized I was either one way or the other way, and I wasn't balanced with those two right. energies. And so when I launched my coaching business, that's where I got a little bit of my Athena back and also my divine masculine back, where I felt I could um, work with men again. You know, because I enjoy working with men. Some women don't. I do. I really like working with men. And I need men in my life to do that business thing with. So that's where the coaching uh, came in for me. Right. Yeah, there definitely there really is something to, to that balance. Because I know I get the same thing in my work. The majority of, of clients I work with are, are women. Um, and I, there's a very practical uh, explanation for that <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I I do work with males also too, and I know you know to me for a healthy life you need you need a balance of, of both influences. But um, let me let me interject here for a minute, just in case anyone is catching the show live and they want to ask uh, Christy a question. Um, you can call in at six four six two hundred three nine six six. Again, that number six four six two hundred three nine six six. So if anybody has any questions and is listening live, uh, feel free to call in. If you're hearing this when it's archived, you're obviously not going to be able to call in live. But uh, anyway, if anyone's catching it now, they they can do so. Um, but you know, back to something you had said before. Um, I think that you know, I've always said that I think probably one of the most important roles is um, in this society, and and also least acknowledged in some respects is the motherhood role. In that sense, because I think it's one very very difficult, and I think it is a very very important position to take in that sense and uh, I think I've always said also that I think it's a lot more difficult to be a female than it is to be a male because I think that a lot is expected of women in comparison in some ways to to uh, how how men are treated in that sense Um, if a woman is successful in business um, and this thankfully in this society now that's an acceptable thing and and also can be a good thing uh, uh, but if she decides not to have children or be a nurturer, she can be looked upon as missing something, you know, that, that's sort of lacking in her in that respect as well. And then also the, the other side of it holds true. There are some women that really are, their primary role is to be mothers and be nurturers, and they're, and they're even good at it in that sense. And then they also might be frowned upon to, because they're, they're playing out an archetype or a stereotype and they're not successful in business in a life. So I think it, there is something there about um, things that are projected onto women in that sense. In fact, that's why you know I've referred a couple of my clients to you in that sense because again, because I work um, more so with women, a lot of times I'm you know I'm, I'm looking for other ways to help empower them to get more comfortable and understand their feminine energy. Yeah, yeah. it is it is kind of you know. a challenge, especially 
in our society, in our Western society, because uh, we we not only don't honor the motherhood role, but we don't honor the wise woman role, which is the grandmother, right. uh, or in the energy of the goddess, the crone role. We have, there's three aspects of the goddess. There's the maiden, the mother, mother, and the crone. And it seems that maiden gets the most attention because she's <laughs> she's the beautiful young uh, virgin, you know. And uh, but once we go right. into motherhood right. role, it's like yeah. There's something that happens in society, and you can see this with all the nip and tuck shows and all of the, you know, Doctor Nine O Two One O shows, where women can't accept themselves if they have one little wrinkle on their face, right? And the Botox and all that stuff. And there's something inherently missing in our society when it comes to loving ourselves where we are as women and the way we are as women. And right. uh, it's a very sad thing. It's a very sad thing. And um, it, even in the, in Asian cultures, the, the maiden role is sort of referred to as the peach. In fact, that's interesting that you bring that up because I, I often uh, I brought that up to a number of people as well, too, about the three phases of the feminine experience in that sense. Um, and uh, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of, of women are trying to hold on to the, the maiden or the peach stage in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's very funny to me because, I mean, this is one of the things I think that's, you know, what you what you see a lot with um, with I will say some some gay men who are sort of, uh, well, we'll say uh, cross dressers or people mm-hmm. who are um, men who the, the gay men. Well, some of them aren't even gay though, actually, but uh, who are drag queens. They usually will. They won't. They're not necessarily emulating the peaches or the maidens. They're often emulating the crones. Um, the more uh, glamorous, mature women in that sense as well, too. If you think about that, that becomes almost an adaptation of that fascination of that, uh, of that stage, you know, Liza Minnelli's and Dolly Parton's and things of that nature as well, too. So it's funny that women themselves sometimes don't, don't revere that stage as much as they should while, you know, you can actually get as bizarre it is a drag queen to be your teacher to remind you about how fascinating that is, that stage is, because it, to me it's often I see it as, a, as an element of a woman coming into her real power in that sense as well, too. Well, it's supposed to be that. Wisdom. It's supposed to be right. when a woman is in her wise years, uh, which, in you know, again, not to follow any rules, but it generally means when you have no longer had a period for a good year, you've held your blood for a year, and you're in your grandmother mode, or you don't necessarily right. have to be grandmother of, of grandchildren, but in the sense of the fact that you've held your blood that long, that you are no longer in your fertile years, which is the mother uh, aspect, and then you are, you know, a crone or a wise woman. And um, it's funny how women in our society who I've worked with, for example, in the coaching of the goddess work, they they don't want to be called a crone because they think crone means ugly. They think crone means witch. Right. They think it's, you know, the, the witch with a hat, <laughs> right. uh, you know, singing bubble, bubble, toilet trouble or whatever. And right. But if you tell them, but no, it, it means you're the wise woman, then they say, oh, well, then I can handle that one. <laughs> right. I can handle being a wise woman, but I can't handle being the crone. And right. I said, well, it's all semantics anyway. The word, you know, yeah. it's just like right. where people think if you call yourself a goddess, some people will automatically assume you're a Wiccan. And right. I don't like it when people assume that because Wiccan is an actual religion, and it's a religion that started fifty some years ago in our country, and in right. England. And it's like 
you know, it has rules. There are rules with this particular yeah. faith. And I am not in that faith, so I don't want people right. to call me that because I am not part of that. So, yeah, but it I, I has, yeah, it has rules. Yeah. That's yeah, and I, as you know, being a Sag, I'm a Sag. I, I, I can't be fenced in. <laughs> you right. know, like with my work, for example, I, you know, for example, I'll do things following the lunar, the lunar events of the of the moon, where like I, I'll have little ceremonies talking about different archety- archetypal energies of the goddess, or if it's a new moon, I'll do manifestation. Uh, meditations and teach people how to bring both their divine masculine and divine feminine in. But it's like, like for example, I just had a, uh event last week where I did a drumming, where I used a Native American drum and some other drums that were, uh, well, they're all Native American, but there's a mother drum that's a specific kind of drum that I used in my ceremony. And we honored the, the story of the pilgrims where a Native American man by the name of Squanto, if it weren't for him and his divine masculine uh, energy of, of of being just a gracious human being walking the planet at the time of the pilgrims where they were dying of starvation and there were only 50 left out of the 110 that came over, uh, he saved their lives because he taught them how to survive the winters of the New England where you know they were not able to deal with it because they didn't know how to farm right to have their crops grow and if it weren't for him they would have never made it and uh so I work with that kind of energy as well it's like I I tap into the divine masculine wherever the story is in our our lineage and teach people about that stuff too and bring in the the native american piece because they were here before we were and the white people were anyway, and um, we have a lot to learn, and they have a lot of uh, history and uh, sacred knowings, like the Hopi. They they have uh, caves where they wrote their hieroglyphs and petroglyphs or whatever, and they know the star system, you know, based on their whole lineage. They had the whole star system mapped out on, on cave walls. So right. it's like there's many cultures and many... Uh, indigenous people that understand this stuff. And, for example, there's 64 countries in our world that they, before the time of telephones and communication on the Internet and all that stuff, they all worship the goddess. So there's right. something to that, that they didn't know each other, but they all worship the goddess. <laughs> so there well, has you know, to be something it, it, to that. There's something. To, well, you know, you know, it's actually always was sort of interesting to me. Also, I mean, I learned about this some years ago too. That I guess it was. I'm not sure if it was, you know, three, four, five, six hundred A.D. or so. But there was such a, um, a such a, a strong focus on um, even in Christianity on Mary as an archetypal symbol that there were offshoots of Christianity that were more about worshiping the goddess energy represented by Mary. Um, as well, and that, of course, I think that probably didn't really thrill the traditional church in that sense as well. But um, from what I know of this, uh, they weren't particularly happy about it. But you still see remnants of that constantly coming up um, uh, I, uh, about you know people seeing images of Mary and um, and that the fascination that kind of comes up with that energy itself. I think is a you know a, a pullback, a, a pull toward this this goddess energy. Um, in, in one form or another that I think is a fascination for people in that respect. But what, what I always try to explain uh, 
to a lot of people is you're going to these these archetypes like the the goddess energies that you're talking about they exist whether you're conscious of them or not exactly so you know what i mean like it's the same thing with astrology i had an argument with someone the other day at my gym who was uh telling me about how he thought astrology was all bs in that sense and i was like well obviously you've not studied or really ever talked to a professional astrologer because you would never make that statement if you've actually done the research in that sense but what i had said to him was Astrology is going to affect you anyway, whether you're conscious of it or not. It's the same thing um, with things like even just lunar cycles, as I'm sure you know. Exactly. Um, often when I, when I talk to people about what the different cycles are about, they're like, oh, my God, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm going through right now. I'm like, well, of course. So what, what you're doing, and even uh, to another extent what I'm doing also, is you're helping people to understand these particular energies. And then also when you understand them, I think you can benefit because you have the knowledge and you can also use that in a way that is, you know, again, either about manifestation or recognizing something so you could, uh, you know, we can use a more positive element of it. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like it's just another element of wisdom coming into play. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And those people that say they don't believe in it or, or whatever, they're just not opening up their minds and hearts to something that extremely that is extremely valuable uh, and helping you understand yourself. And I know for a fact that back in the times when the the goddess was being destroyed because uh, the Roman Empire aligned themselves, uh, Emperor Constantine to be exact, uh, he was a practicing pagan. And he what that means is he honored the, the earth changes, uh, the lunar cycles, and the energies of the god and the goddesses and but because he wanted to be in power he aligned himself with the new the new christian uh belief system which really wasn't you know <laughs> true to christ so to speak jesus christ right. it was uh, you know man's own interpretation and what they created out of it and um so it was very it was an interesting thing to read that history because uh he was playing both sides of the fence but what he ended up doing is um, he wanted the, um, the divine feminine to be completely destroyed because they wanted to make the God masculine. So they went around and destroyed. Um, it wasn't just the Christian faith. It was the, the Jewish faith as well as the um, Muslim faith. And they, they, these warriors went and they found all the goddess temples and they desecrated them. And that's why, for example, the Sphinx, the Sphinx, uh, has a broken nose <laughs> because she is an energy of a goddess back in the ancient Egyptian times, and they defaced her. and a lot of you know there are some we still have some artifacts of goddesses from goddess you know worship times where her face has been destroyed uh, because that's what they were told to do to go out and desecrate the divine feminine. But what's interesting is. The state, state of uh, the, all the earth things that are happening right now is um, the divine feminine is starting to come back. And um, right. it's, it's showing up in, in situations like even in our politics where you know Hillary Clinton and, and Sarah Palin, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, those are two women that emerged into a powerful place. And right. you can see by what played out in what happened to them, and you even brought this up earlier in our conversation today, that women get treated differently. And um, 
I noticed that when Hillary was being attacked for her showing emotion, I was really upset by that. And right. when they attacked her for letting cleavage show, and when they said she had cankles and things like that, I mean, right, that is right. going after the feminine and just trying to destroy the feminine. They did the same thing to Sarah Palin, and um, where they, she was just constantly under attack. And, you know, it's hard to explain this to a man, but when you're a woman, and you're a powerful woman like me, and you sit there in a very observing mode, not in a judgmental mode, just an observing mode, where you're just watching this stuff, I, I was horrified, because to me it was almost like, like Sarah Palin especially, it was like in a form of a witch burning. Right, you know, right. where even women were attacking her. And I'm not talking about the politics thing. I'm talking about going after her as a human being, you right. know, going after her children, stuff that had nothing to do with the politics at hand. And that's where I was appalled because I, I couldn't believe that here we've come this far <laughs> where women have come into these power roles, and yet the rules of the game are still vicious much more vicious towards the women than towards the men. Like in the debate with um, Sarah Palin and uh, um, uh, Joe Biden, he showed some emotion in that debate towards the end where right. he was sharing how his wife had died in the car crash. No one ever brought that up. No one ever said anything about Joe Biden, you right, know, voice cracking and getting emotional. But right. when one person asked Hillary Clinton about how she feels, you know, why, you know, whatever, it triggered her emotion. She said she just right. loves this country. And all of a sudden the media was all over her, like she's a woman that can't contain her emotions. And so that's right, the kind of right. stuff that, going back to your comment earlier, that even though we've come a long way, <laughs> when it comes to women, we still have a way to go. And we have a way to go with our, our own sex. Because some of yeah. the most vicious things I heard came from other women. And that's what upset me the most. Well, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I always say that um, I, think, um, I think women are, are definitely more attacked, both by men and other women, than men necessarily are in the first place in that sense. Um, they're under far more scrutiny in that sense. And it's all love-hate stuff in that sense. Even with Sarah Palin, for example, the propping her up is the greatest thing since sliced bread, sort of the hot, you know what I mean, the, uh, the hot... Uh, uh, ex-model uh, and all that jazz, or they're ripping her to shreds in that respect. And I, I've always noticed that, too, this is, you know, like, it, I always this is a great example. When, if, if, a, if a guy is in really good shape and another guy sees that, he'll often sort of give him that high five or a nod of acknowledgement for that without mm -hmm. any real fanfare. He's not angry at him. He's not mad. But, but if a woman is showing cleavage and is really has a really, really nice body or something like that, sometimes women will hate her for it in that sense and actually be catty and cruel. Um, and that's a very fascinating thing to me in that sense because if it wasn't difficult enough to be a female in terms of what men do, then there's an element of, of kind of crucifying each other. Yeah, but the one way. thing I did notice is that neither uh, Hillary Clinton and neither Sarah Palin attacked each other. Right. And I was very Absolutely. proud of both of them for that. That was impressive, right. I never well, saw either one yeah. of them attacking. They both agreed that they, they didn't. didn't agree about their political beliefs, but they both respected and admired each other. So right. that's the example that needs to be set for the, the, those yeah. women who 
go on the attack mode. Because uh, not all women are like that. But I even noticed back when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to be a mother or not in this life that uh, I saw Oprah shows where the stay-at-home mothers were attacking the career mothers. And it was vicious. It was pure viciousness. And I I was horrified. I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. And, And I didn't experience until I became a mother how... Other mothers are just so judgmental of each other and judge each other so harshly. And um, I, I've always believed that you know each mother and each child, from a soul perspective, have their own agreement on the type of mother that mother is going to be. And some women Absolutely. do not have the luxury to stay at home. They may be right. divorced. They may have had ch- children out of wedlock, whatever. They do not have the luxury to be a stay-at-home mom. So those women should not be judged. And even women like me, who I had a career for so many years, I tried to do the career thing where I had my child and my career at the same time. And my my heartstrings, um, working the goddess energy of goddess Demeter, um, really got tugged. And it, it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore with my own integrity of who I was as a mother. I wanted to be home for my children's little things. I, I didn't want to be traveling when my child learned to walk. And so I made the conscious choice. But I was lucky enough to have that conscious choice, whereas some women right. don't have that, that kind of luxury. Yeah, so it's not yeah, fair for, for these women to judge other women. It's just not, it's, it's not in the energy of, uh, you know, being an evolved spiritual being and being a goddess um, if you're going to be that, that person who That's judges right. so harshly of another woman. Absolutely. Well, you know what, can you, um, we're, we're actually, believe it or not, we're running out of time here. Um, I had, we, we had talked before, um, we, we actually have gone on there, and I, I told you how quickly this would go by, yes. <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> believe me, it's like, well, i got to probably expand the show. I just want to do the, um, the interview shows uh, to probably an hour, but it's only a 45-minute show. So, that said, let, why don't you let our listeners know um, a little bit about your CD and how they can reach you, and uh, just take a minute or two to... Give that info out. Okay, I created a Seven Steps to Evolving the Goddess CD, which is an interactive interview with another woman who's very powerful, and so it's an exciting CD to listen to. It's it's uh, also has a beautiful two songs on there from a woman who I consider a musical goddess, Karen Drucker, and it's a twenty dollar CD, and you can get it off of my website, um, which is evolvethegoddess.com. Triple W evolve e v o l v e the goddess all one word no spaces dot com. And um, my coaching business is called Covolution, and my website for that is triple uh, W shift s h i f t coach all one word no spaces dot com. And that's how you can reach me through either those, either of those websites. Excellent, because I know I, I had um, I, I attended uh, about a month or two back one of the uh, New Moon uh, celebration uh, services that you did, which was excellent. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I always I'm trying to try to get to another one myself within the next uh, few months. It's a, you know I mean everyone with their ridiculous schedules in life in that sense trying to uh, squeeze out time to do such things, but well worth it. Um, definitely a uh, very uh, interesting experience. 
Um, and it was it was primarily women, but there was a male or two in there with, with the uh, with us along the way in that sense. But I, I don't think I think that that's again that's fairly normal um, that women are are generally more drawn to uh, a spiritual expression than males are, just because of the wiring. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Again, there's always exceptions, thankfully, to the rules in that sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was uh, really an interesting thing to uh, to attend, and I'll, I'll look forward to doing that again. So, oh, great. Um, Good to have you there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really uh, appreciate the conversation. There, There's quite a bit more we could go into, of course. But as usual, out of lack of time, we will not be able to do that. Um, so I appreciate your, uh, your time here today, and I uh, urge all of uh, my listeners, whether you heard this live or you are going to catch it on an archive, definitely uh, give, uh, check out some of uh, the work that Christy does. Very powerful, whether you are a man or a woman. In that sense, there's value in it, without question. Thank so. you. Yes, I, I do have a way of impacting the men I come across in my life. I open them up spiritually usually. <laughs> yeah. My, my uh, former manager in the corporate world, uh, life, his life was changed after he met me because uh, I was who I was and he had to deal with it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, you have a very um, noticeably uh, strong, strong uh, presence in that sense, Uh so it's definitely a very, very notable thing in that respect. We're actually, we're still streaming, but we're we're off air at this point in the game, just so you know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it just kind of clicks us off. With, uh, I don't know if I don't know if you could hear the the message no. that's coming through. No, it's probably couldn't. not. It's probably just on my end in that sense that they're telling me what the timing, <laughs> what the timing cycles are here, in that respect. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll what they'll do is they'll uh, if there, if there's people listening live right now they can still hear us. But beyond that, once it goes to the archive, they'll cut it to the 45 minute uh, play that that we did in the first place. In that sense, that's why I get the little rush syndrome at the end too. Boom 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 boom. Okay, well but, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jim. And yeah, you have a wonderful was, Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, you too. I was going to bring that up uh, as well. Ask about the Thanksgiving thing, but you kind of got to mention it a little bit anyway, too. And I think that's good. Um, so yeah, it was uh, great talking to you. Thanks yeah. for being a guest. Well, thank you for having right. me again. And take care. And have a great week. All right. You have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.